train spotting, Boris dancing, bog snorkeling. Do what you love and spend less time ironing. LG's V7 Series washing machine has Steam Plus technology, reducing creases and up to 99.9% of allergens. Or upgrade to the V9 Series with Turbo Wash 360 technology on a 39-minute cycle and great wash quality, even for bog snorkelers. Save up to £75 off selected LG washing machines when you trade in your old one. The Curry's PC World. Offer ends 22nd October. It contains strong language, strong opinions, and strong beers. It is not meant for children or for those who think they are children. You know who you are. Welcome to episode 68 of Dumb All Over. Recording from a state in the country that kicked England's ass twice, Pennsylvania and not-so-secret layer New York, this is a progressive podcast of brash opinions on politics, religion, and pop culture, and we are always under the influence of craft beer. On today's episode, we will talk about Trump's withdrawal from the Iran nuclear deal, or the nuclear, the New York Attorney General's sexual abuse case, sexual abuse in Pennsylvania, and elephant hunting. We're uh, going to talk about co-ops, worker co-ops for our bigly topic. We are joined by Dan from the Two Skeptical Chaps, a show that we both love and admire. Uh, then we interview uh, Kent Spade and talk about his new book, which is called Red, White, and uh, Red, White, Blue, and Colors. And I'm Tom. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Austin. Hey, what's up, Tom? Hi, Austin. How are you? I'm good. I think I'm ready to do this, although I good. wouldn't be criticizing England as uh, I'd be very happy if we could join back up with them. <laughs> <laughs> Our, <laughs> um, I've said this multiple times on the show. Uh, Queen, I am ready. So whenever you're ready to take over this country, <laughs> let's do it. I like tea. Tea's good. Like um, tea again. Now, there's a, there's a reason why. I love tea, I Austin. There's a reason why I mentioned this, Austin. Do you know why? No, I have no idea why, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you, you just missed the show notes then because <laughs> joining us is um, one of the hosts of the two skeptical chaps. He is from the UK, which we kicked their ass twice in two wars. Mm-hmm. His name is Dan. Dan, how are you? Hello. Um, you can kick our <laughs> ass in, what, in the uh, second world. What are you talking about? The second world war? No, not Second World which, War. Which one did you? I, I mean, obviously there's second Civil War, war but what, what's the two? Well, 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 let's get our history straight. Yeah. All right, so there's the Revolutionary War where we left y'all asses, and then yeah. there's the War of 1812 where you're like, let's pick on them once again, and then you're still lost. Did we? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. I actually yeah. just said Civil War. That's wrong, isn't it? That's when you fought yourselves. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that had nothing to do with you guys. <laughs> did we yeah. not pick a side in that one? Did yeah. we help anyone out? No. I, I believe you did, actually. I believe there was actually help toward the Confederate States, if I'm not mistaken. Really? I feel like there was some... I think there was something about the Confederate States helping the South in specific battles or something like that. I don't know like why that. that would be. But, but I could be wrong. Okay. I, I, could, I could be wrong. Oh. I, 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 I'm being put on the spot here. Well, it's all I forgiven. Mean, uh, <laughs> okay. 
Absolutely. So you'll take us and back like then? We said, we're... <laughs> <laughs> Please? I'll, I'll run it past Her Majesty the next time I see her. <laughs> okay, perfect. That's all we ask. That's all we ask. Um, so, how how is everybody? How are we doing today? I'm good. Pretty good. We're drinking beer and podcasting. I love that I get to do we this are. with you guys. It's wonderful. <laughs> Isn't this like the best thing ever? Hmm. Podcasting, drinking beer, having laughs, and talking about terrible politics in American <laughs> culture. It's absolutely everything I ever dreamed of. Um, <laughs> Which is weird, because it was my idea. So... <laughs> <laughs> So true. All right. So, as always, we uh, drink craft beer on the show. So, Austin, what are you drinking today? Uh, yes, I am drinking um, Triple Horse, which is a Belgian-style triple by the company River mm-hmm. Horse, unfortunately, Ooh, from New Jersey. Okay. And uh, much yeah. like New Jersey reuses everybody's garbage, I'm reusing that joke. Uh <laughs> Tune into two skeptical chaps to understand the meaning yeah. of their joke. It's call sideways. All right. There's- um, <laughs> it's 10%. It's, uh, it tastes light because I've had it before. Spoiler alert. And um, I'm really looking yeah. forward to getting drunk with it. Okay. Yeah, great. I, I like that you said getting drunk with it as in like it's going to happen because oh, going I to happen. am already drunk. I am mm. already drunk. Yay. Um I haven't eaten today, and I think that's the I think that's, that's the re- reason why. Uh, have, are you familiar with eaten. eating's cheating? Is an expression over here that the youths like to use. The the youth the youths um the youths <laughs> okay <laughs> no yeah. they're not they're not know they're that no, they, yeah, they no. go out drinking they don't eat anything eating's cheating eating's cheating okay yeah so I am not cheating yeah. how about that um, didn't I you have a am drinking Weyerbacher. <laughs> Oh, I did eat. <laughs> I totally ate. I totally ate. I forgot that I ate a sandwich. So I cheated. How about that? Hey, I'm drinking Weyerbacher. Um, This is my first drink of the day, I promise. <laughs> uh, it is Weyerbacher's Sunday morning stout. Yes, it's the Sunday morning stout. It is 12 point. Seven percent ABV for those keeping score at home. It is uh, stout aged in bourbon barrels with coffee. It is super good. It is super stouty, super bourbony, super everything, super alcohol. And I believe it was the winner of our uh, stout, their coffee stout contest. Was it the winner? I I I forgot. I remember one I picked, and I think that makes it the winner. <laughs> well, that's fine and all, but you know what? We have a guest no. on the show, and he's also drinking craft beer. How about I that? I found some so, craft beer. I was very excited by this. Oh, what are you drinking, Dan? Uh, so I've got. I've, I've, I've had a couple of these already. I found a new uh, craft beer uh, brewery called Uprising, which uh, I just spotted mm-hmm. these in my supermarket the other day for the first time. Uh, the first one of these I drank uh, earlier while we were recording our show uh, was called White Riot, which is a white pale ale, five point five percent. Which sounds like something the KKK would like have a a knees up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. It definitely does. It definitely does. Mm. Uh, but the, I've moved on to I'm on my second one now, uh, which again is from the mm. Uprising Brewery and is called Treason, <laughs> a West Coast <laughs> okay. IPA, and this is six point zero percent. There you go, and it's inspired by the Trump administration. <laughs> so with that said, <laughs> let us do our symbolic cheers. And we kick off this episode the correct way. Are you ready? I'm ready. 
It's amazing. You like that? That's like that's like ASMR in glasses. God, that's so fucking good. Yeah. It's so good. It's like it's like an espresso because it's so dark, but the bourbon kind of makes it taste like a, like an espresso. Yeah. But you can tell there's alcohol in it, but it's not overbearing where you want to just like. Now die. see this. It's this so almost good. tastes like honey. Like I really can't taste the I was alcohol. It's very red, your drink. It is so good, and it is very dangerous, yeah. Is it? Because <laughs> I could just down okay. that. And, and Dan, what's your drink like? What, what is, um, what, what does, you know, everybody's always asked this. What does treason, what taste, does treason like? taste like? Hey, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm reading the label here. I'm really confused by this, because the brewery is in Windsor. It's literally where the Queen's Castle is, and they're brewing beer okay. called Treason. <laughs> Um, and they're called <laughs> Uprising Brewery. They're just asking for trouble. The Queen's <laughs> going to be all over this. Yeah. Or maybe she's a fan. Maybe she likes it. It actually mm. says... Is she a drinker? Uh, I imagine so. She's English. Uh, <laughs> 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 Do you know, it actually, it's got at the bottom of the bottle, it says, Rise. What? Take the crown. Jesus Ooh. Christ. <laughs> oh, wow. I feel That's... like I'm funding <laughs> some <laughs> sort of underground movement by buying this beer. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Jerry Corbin. <laughs> Fucking now he has his own beer, too. God. <laughs> Love that man. <laughs> All right, boys. Now that we got a little uh, beer in our systems, we're slightly intoxicated because we've done the two skeptical chaps before. Actually, before we enter the Trump report, we do have a new comment on uh, our iTunes. We do. Okay, and Oprah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it did sound Oprah like, didn't it? <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> it's funny. Okay. So, uh, our newest comment and review on our iTunes comes from a man named Eric Ardu- Ar- Ar- Arduini? Ar- Arduini, maybe? Sure. I feel like I should know this because it's an Italian name, and I'm so sorry, but I'm also a little intoxicated. The uh, title of this review is Very Funny Show, No Shameless Plug Needed. I give this show five stars because Tom sounds nearly identical to retired podcast legend Steve D'Amico. I will not put a shameless plug in for my podcast, which just recorded episode 505. Jesus Christ! I found... I know. I found out about this show from listening to Pod and History X, also excellent, uh, which I learned about at PodFest 2018 in Orlando. Hmm. Uh, keep up the good work, fellas. So you won't plug your podcast, but I will because 505, now 506, because we are recording on May 8th, and that is when this podcast released its episode. The podcast is Pod Nuts. It's a tech podcast network um i guess the show is itself is called tech life because it's tech life number 506 and it was entitled pure michigan that's this this most recent 506 episodes that is a lot (laughs) crazy so i'm thank you so much for your for your review and your comment but i'm very happy to plug your podcast because that's awesome i mean we're on episode what are we at 68 68. i forgot i just introduced the show hey thank you eric for your comment and um and five star review i just dropped my phone on my computer uh if you want to leave us a uh, comment and review go to itunes.com and look up uh, dumb all over podcast and leave us and we'll read it on the show just like we did Uh, and we have to thank you and congrats Yeah, go ahead tom sorry 
And well, and congrats on episode five hundred six, five hundred yeah. episodes. That's that's very very impressive. So yes, yes, Dan, <laughs> you did review our show. Yeah. Okay, you went you went on Facebook and you reviewed our show. Yeah. And you know what you did? I put a lot of effort. You gave into us a that. five star. Yeah. Yep. You got a, you gave us a five star review, mm-hmm. and and I remember what I said. I said I don't care if you say, just good show. That's fine. Yeah. D- Dan, your comment was. Good show. Yeah. Period. <laughs> Actually, that wasn't, Thank you, Dan. that wasn't just my review because Facebook won't let you post reviews that short. I had to hold down the space bar several times <laughs> <laughs> in order to get the character count to submit it. Oh, um, that's awesome. Well, well, thank you. Thank you, Dan, mm. for the elegant review. <laughs> now, let's enter the Trump report. Yeah. <laughs> Have I done a good job? Have I done a good job? Not at all. Probably the least of anybody you've ever met. There's nobody that understands the horror better than me. If Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. So we had quite a bit of news again this week uh, in America. Um, We're going to start off with the most recent. And by most recent, I mean right before we started doing this podcast is when oh this, before you uh, do this can i broke. just say i booked a wonderful holiday to iran earlier the deals are amazing i don't know what's going on but you can get fantastic cheap oh the flights the hotel is brilliant yeah. <laughs> really looking forward to it yep uh-huh thank you thank you <laughs> thank you for um yeah perfect segue <laughs> Well, you know what, Dan? I think I understand the reason why they might have been so cheap. Uh, because we're all fucked. Is that is that good? Was that yeah, good? It's accurate, I mean. Okay. So let me, before we talk about the Iran nuclear deal, let me explain what the Iran nuclear deal is with some key details, okay? Um, one of the things that the Iran deal was supposed to do, or did, I should say, was limit the uranium enrichment coming out of Iran. So, uh, according to BBC.com, in July 2015, Iran had almost 20,000 suffragies under the JCPOA. It was limited to installing no more than 5,060 of the oldest and least efficient ones at uh, Natanz until 2026. 15 years after the deal's implementation day uh, in January 2016, that is gone. The next thing, uh, no enrichment will be permitted at Fordo until 2031, and the underground facility will be converted into a nuclear physics and technology center. The 1,044 suffragies at the site will produce radioisotopes for use in medicine, agriculture, industry, and science. That is gone. Plutonium pathway. Iran will not be permitted to build additional heavy water reactors or accumulate any excess heavy water until 2031. That is gone. Until 2031, Iran will have 24 days to comply with any IAEA access request. If it refuses, an eight-member joint commission, including Iran, will rule on the issue. It can decide on uh, steps, including sanctions, a majority votes by commission uh, by by oh, that commission. What a horrible deal! How are they even going to build a bomb? Yeah, yeah. And if you notice, I said a couple times that those are gone. Do you know why, Austin and no, Dan? Tell us, why, Tom? Tom? Please tell us. Because because they're gone. 
because Donald Trump today announced that the U.S. is withdrawing from the Iran nuclear deal. It's so sad. It's this, so, yeah. this is bad. <laughs> this, this is stupid. And this I is like bad. the idea that a man that can't negotiate with his wife to hold her hand thinks he can negotiate a better deal with a potential nuclear power. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. <laughs> he says that Iran is blackmailing the United States with this deal. The only, the only thing that uh, Trump most likely disagrees with when it comes to this Trump is the fact that it was Obama that made this deal. Mm. Because, because now that he is withdrawing from the Iran deal, what do you think his plan is? What do you think the plan that he laid out in the press conference is? What do you guys? Tom, uh, there's no, there's get no plan. You first. There's no plan. Look, okay. they just told me Iran, and mm-hmm. I was like, Iran, so far away. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, hey, if the what black about- guy did it, maybe we should not do it because you know. Okay. Okay, what about you, Dan? What do you think? Do you think uh, Trump laid out his plan for Iran? Well, I haven't seen any video footage yet, but I'm hoping he did that yeah. thing again where he pulls out a load of like blank notepaper and just stacks it on the table and then pretends this is all like his documentation about what he's going to be doing next. It's just like it's still got like the Staples receipt on it. <laughs> blank. <laughs> well, he didn't. Unfortunately, he didn't do that. Wait, wait, but Tom, uh, but I will did say he do this. the thing where he sits yeah, at his I... desk with no papers on it, with a phone in his hand, and pretends that he's working? <laughs> Not yet, but that's but that's coming. <laughs> um, there is no plan, guys. There no. is no plan. Uh. He said the United States and its allies could not stop Iran from building a nuclear weapon under the decaying and rotting sur- uh, structure of a current deal. The Iran deal is defective at its core, he said. Mr. Trump's decision caped a frantic four-day period in which American and European diplomats made a last-ditch effort to bridge their differences and preserve an agreement. Uh, by the way, this is coming from the uh, fake news site known as NewYorkTimes.com. Oh, it's my hometown paper. <laughs> oh, there, there you go. I, it's pretty self-explanatory. Trump is taking us out of the uh, the Iran nuclear deal, while other countries in Europe, one of them being the United Kingdom, has pretty much said that we are not going to do that. Uh, France, Germany, and the UK regret the uh, regret the U.S. decision decision to get out of the Iranian nuclear deal. President Macron. A friend said in a, on a post in Twitter shortly after Mr. Trump's announcement, the international regime against nuclear proliferation is at stake. Mm. And that's coming from his butt buddy, Macron. <laughs> so what do you guys think about this Trump uh, pulling out of this deal? It's almost like he saw that North Korea was like, you know, maybe we'll get rid of our nuclear weapons. Like, hold on. All right, if they get rid of theirs, yeah. somebody else has to have them. <laughs> somebody, somebody has to have nukes. We can't all have yeah. no nukes. That's insanity. So let's give it to the second most dangerous country with nuclear weapons, Iran. Do you think there's, <laughs> That's do you think there's any merit to the idea that he's just potentially lost his excuse to invade North Korea this week? Because it looks like there might be some sort of peace forming there. Yeah. And he's thinking, I might, I might still need a war. Where can I go next? So he'll aggravate things with Iran, and it, that will give him the war that he wants because he knows that will get him some support at home. That wouldn't shock me. I mean, yeah. All jokes aside, mm. you're no, I'm being serious. Right. 
Yeah, you're probably but right. But it is quite worrying because what he's done has bigger implications than just Iran because there's other things being negotiated even right now. The, the US is going to be doing potentially deals with North Korea or deals with all these other places. If the world has a view that a deal with the US will only last for one president's term and it can just get scrapped as soon as the next one comes in, it's almost worthless at that point. It's kind of destroying America's word. Yeah. Right. You signed up for this deal. Yeah, I, you should have gone through the whole way with it. He's pulling out halfway through. Which, 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 I've seen a few people on Twitter said, I wish he'd done that with Eric. But, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that's unusual for him. <laughs> now, some people, some people really do believe that no matter what the agreement was, Iran has been creating nukes and doing all of this stuff that they weren't supposed to be doing behind our back regardless. What do you think? Do you think that's, do you think there's any merit to that? Do you think Iran's been producing nuclear arms this entire time or have they or do you honestly believe that they've been keeping to the plan? Well, well there's the no deal? evidence that they were. I mean there's no, yeah, no. I, I mean, what do you think? Because there is no evidence to it, but a lot of a lot of Trump supporters, especially, do believe that. Yeah, fuck it. They've been doing it anyway, so let's just break the deal. Uh, what do you think? You think oh, there's yeah. any merit? Let's, let's just start taking what the Trump supporters say on faith. <laughs> well, the the only reason why I even bring that up is because Iran is not a stable country, as Dan just said. Right? Yes, I know, but they desperately so, needed the sanctions lifted that were lifted by that agreement. Right. I mean, there's no there's nothing in it for them. There's not. And you're right. The uh, Trump did announce that the sanctions, new sanctions will be announced yeah, so. when it comes to Iran. So now they have up, every so. reason to start building nuclear yeah. weapons again. I mean, yeah. it's insane. What do, what do you think about the timing? Dan, what do you think about the timing with this? With everything going on in Jerusalem between you know uh, the Palestines and, and and Jerusalem and Syria and the civil war, and what, what about the timing? Do you think this is a like a bad first of all I, obviously we, we we're all in agreement that this is a bad <laughs> idea but is the timing is the timing could it be worse or is this the worst timing possible well i'll tell, I tell you i personally think it's probably the worst timing possible um but not because of any of the things you just said um i actually have an iranian friend in london um who is going to be joining me on a vegas uh, trip in november and i imagine his iranian passport is probably going to get him flacked i don't think they're going to let oh, him on shit. the plane Oh, oh yeah, man. that's it's, not going to uh, be good. Yeah. He's had trouble well, before. You, uh, <laughs> our next story uh, comes from CNN.com. <laughs> it's uh, this one. <laughs> this one hits home for Austin because your new home might not be as nice as you. Oh think. no, well, there are Come back to tons of please. problems. Here. <laughs> <laughs> new York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman resigns over. Assault allegations. <sighs> you know, the Me Too movement got a lot of these guys caught for the shit they were doing. But you were you would kind of hope that they caught everybody. But <laughs> this is still an ongoing problem. Oh, yeah. It's not going to end. No. It's not going to end. And that's the really fucked up part. So I'm going to read a little bit from uh, CNN.com and then we'll get your guys' responses and all that. New York Attorney General Eric Schneiderman has resigned following Why? a report of allegations of assault by multiple <laughs> by multiple like women that? in the New Yorker. It's been my great honor and privilege <laughs> privilege to serve <laughs> like as Schneiderman. Attorney General. <laughs> 
for the people of the state of New York. Uh, in the last several hours, serious allegations, which I strongly contest, have been made against me. Schneiderman said in a statement, while these allegations are unrelated to my professional conduct or the operations of the office, they will effectively prevent me from leading the office's work at this crucial time. I therefore resigned my office, even though, this is me adding this, even though I strongly contest you know, the, uh, the allegations, effective at the close of business on May 8th, 2018. Mm. So from what I gather... The reports of these sexual abuse allegations came last night on May 7th, and about an hour later, he yeah. resigned. You're going to tell me that you strongly contest these, and you resign the same day they come yeah, out? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's almost definitely guilty. <laughs> I mean... What do you mean, almost? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... To be fair, didn't Trump declare that this was like... Sexual assault awareness month or something recently wasn't wasn't that a thing? <laughs> he might have. If he, I don't know, I don't know because I don't really pay attention to anything that says Trump unless it involves impeachment. <laughs> but if Trump, if Trump did that, he should resign. Well, I know, I, I like, know, he right decided now. that May first right was loyalty day. Yeah. I saw that, which is so yeah. fucking stupid. It's so fucking stupid. If Hitler did that, we'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, Hitler did that. I'm That's pretty fine. sure Hitler did do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Um, shortly after he announced his resignation, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office said they had open investigation into the allegations against Schneiderman, a uh, spokesman uh, told uh, uh, CNN. Uh, Schneiderman's swift resignation came it's just his last a, name uh, like a car that's after. passing on the street. <laughs> <laughs> after the New Yorker published its report, uh, is a shocking fall from grace for a once rising star in the democratic politics. Schneiderman just, had cast himself as a fierce opponent and critic of President Donald Trump. Schneiderman oh had also been a vocal proponent <laughs> of the Me Too movement. He's been a proponent of the Me Too movement, bringing legal action in the New Yorker uh, in New York against film producer Harvey Weinstein, who had been accused of sexually assaulting women, and uh, uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo. Had called for Schneiderman's resignation earlier on Monday. Um, anyway, no one is above the law. Schneiderman no. is included in that. So anyway, <laughs> that is uh, there's that. Okay, so number one, he's a Democrat. A lot of Democrats, including friend of the show Ron uh, at War Trout. Remember, you know, you know War Trout, right? What are you about to throw Even him under the bus? <laughs> Okay. No, but I'm going to use him as a perfect example <laughs> where he said, I honestly thought this guy was good. Just when you thought this guy was a, a good guy, this happens. It's it's one of those situations. It's not a political. It's not a political thing. And people can make it a political thing. Democrats have been making this into a political uh, theater, if you will. But it's really not about that. It's just about scummy human beings. What do you guys make of this situation? Well, I mean, it's... um. It's horrible, and I'm glad he resigned so that they can move on and appoint somebody else because the New York Attorney General is really important since that person is the second line of defense after Robert Mueller. Yeah, and, and the president cannot yeah. pardon himself from state crimes, so 
that was all. That all fell on the attorney general's office of this state. Right. So, uh, well, I, I, and I'm just, you know, I guess you can say, thankfully, the governor is a Democrat, but it's also Cuomo. Yeah, but it has, but it's not so, the governor. It's the, um, it's the legislative branches that are going to be in a joint session. They pick the next person. Yeah. Oh, they pick it. Okay. Well, what do you think about this, Dan? Um, I mean, obviously, you're going to agree with the sexual allegations being fucked up, and he should have resigned. But do you? Let me ask you this: Do you agree that this is more of a moral issue than a political issue? What do you think about that? Well, until he's found guilty of something, it's a bit. I don't. I don't like jumping all over people if they haven't been found guilty of something yet. But if it's suspicious as hell, it's. I mean, if he's. I don't know. I don't like it. I keep flashing back to someone you- saying that MAGA stood for my attorney got arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think he's guilty? I mean, the allegations came out last night on May 7th, mm. and a couple hours later, he announces his resignation. Now, like, Al Franken... It sounds really weird, doesn't it, mo- when you phrase it like that? It does. I mean, it I've, really got, does. I've got a decent job. If I was accused of something right now, I wouldn't quit my job. Right. To Unless try and you did then it. prove my innocence. I would I would want right. to keep my job and still prove my innocence. In the same sentence that you say I strongly contest these allegations, you're going to resign in the same sentence? Mm. You know, when when it comes to a guy like Al Franken, Al Franken had an allegation against him. Everybody remembers this, right? And then uh, all these people came to his defense saying he's not that kind of guy. And it took him, how long did it take, Austin? Was it like a month mm. before he officially I don't resigned? Know if it was quite that long. It was close, though. It was either three weeks or a month, yeah. But it was it a was longer, longer time, time yeah. right? It, was, it definitely wasn't the same night. No, it wasn't. To, to me, that says something. Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't well, know if I you guys agree with that. What it says that. is that Al Franken didn't really think he did anything wrong. And I think eventually he realized okay. that he did. That's and, a very um, good point. That's and I feel like Schneiderman, I think he realized right away that he's been caught. I'm sorry, who? No, I don't think I, you're pronouncing that right. I am Austin. not. <laughs> I'm not going to say it like a passing ambulance. <laughs> Whoa. I'm sorry, I, did, I just didn't understand who we're talking about. The Slenderman, that's who we're talking about. Oh, Schneiderman. No, nope. That guy? Schneiderman. Nope. Yes, Dan. You just... I'm deleting my, my poll. I'm deleting my poll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see how it goes now. No, I'm not... And I'm not deleting my poll. You know why? Oh. Because someone vo- Because someone voted. Somebody voted for the other team spike. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Okay. Um, yeah, so I guess we're all in agreement that... All right, so let me ask this before we move on. Should he have resigned so quickly? Yes or no? Well, I mean, if he's... If he's guilty, then he's yeah. Guilty, yeah. Well, we don't know. We yeah, don't but know he's, he's the one who resigned. Nobody I, made I, him resign. If he's right. innocent, so you, it's you, a really bad move to resign because that makes you think he's guilty. An innocent person, okay, so, I don't think, would resign their job because they've then lost a good thing. Okay. I think most so, people view that job as you, a very good thing, and he's given that up. So, what do you think, Dan? Guilty or not guilty? Just based on the all I've got is what you've told me. Sounds guilty yep. as hell, doesn't it? Yeah. Austin, yeah, what do you huh, think? I think so. I think guilty 100%. Mm. There's no reason why he would have resigned if he wasn't guilty. 
So Can I just put a little caveat go. on that and say I'm really glad that juries don't work like this? <laughs> just, we've turned up. Yeah. Well, he, but then, but then again, he's, he's not in prison, so. <laughs> he's not. And he probably will never be thrown yeah. in prison, but he probably, he, it sounds like he should be. But you know what? It's okay. If you were missing, if you're thinking to yourself, well, I didn't hear enough sexual abuse allegation stories today. Well, don't worry, because I got you with another one. As state lawmaker claims abuse, party leaders shield her colleague. This is from the New York Times. This one is from Pennsylvania. Oh, so we got both our states today. <laughs> we do. We do. When she is 10 minutes from the Pennsylvania State House, Representative Tara Tuhill phones the sergeant at arms. A security officer then meets her in the parking garage and escorts her to her office. He hovers at her elbow all day during committee hearings, debates, and votes. The reason she has a bodyguard uh, can be found a few yards away from her house, uh, away from her on her on the house floor. A fellow Republican lawmaker, Representative Nick Micarelli. In March, Miss Tuhill obtained an order of protection against Mr. Micarelli, whom she used to date. She claims that he kicked her, pinched her, and pinned her by the neck to a wall in the ornate Capitol. And once brandished a gun and threatened to kill them Jesus both. Jesus Christ. It, it's a nightmare navigating and rerouting around this building. Miss Tuhill texted a reporter observing the house from a gallery on Tuesday while she angled herself away from Mr. Micarelli on the floor. The lawmaker's desks are in the same row, just 10 seats apart. Miss Tuhill set a bulky red tote on her desk to block him from view as her bodyguard sat nearby. After the internal house investigation in March, Ms. Tuhill's complaints uh, to be credible, along with those of other women, a political consultant, Republican leaders, called on Mr. Micarelli to resign. So pretty much what's going on, gentlemen, is there is a Republican man, Mr. Micarelli, abusing a Republican lady, Mrs. Tuhill, or Ms. Tuhill, um, in Pennsylvania. And they still work together. That's why I'm bringing up this story. What's amazing is with all these allegations, Mr. Micarelli still has not resigned or anything. So if this is accurate, Miss Tuhill has to go to work with the person who's abused her sexually. What do you think of this? Wow, that's fucked up. But not shocking from Pennsylvania. It's definitely not shocking. Steven, what do you think? Are you of calling this? him Steven? Is this something now? you would see? <laughs> Who's Steven? <laughs> Steven. Oh my God. Uh, I guess they're just all the same to you, aren't they, Tom? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we don't all look alike, Tom. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like this now. I, I think he's actually how... forgotten my name, Austin. Oh. He's got, yeah, just there was it's, a little I um there. He was like, um, it's Dan. Yeah, whatever your name His is. Name is I Dan. Don't, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know how to back out of this. So, 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 Dan, what do you think of this? Well, yeah, that sounds pretty fucked up, doesn't it? But then oh, we've just come off God. the back of the other story where I said that the other guy shouldn't have resigned if he was innocent. If, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm assuming the other guy's denied all of this, has he? Um, I'm guessing so. I'm, I'm absolutely guessing so. I'm not sure if the article even goes into that. Um, I don't, I don't think there's call, any some, right answer in that situation because they they can't fire him for something that hasn't gone through a court yet and been proven. 
Right. Yeah. She shouldn't lose her job, yeah. obviously. No, for sure. I don't, I don't think there's. Um, I don't think there's any easy win there that I can see. I don't, what? What? Else, I mean, have they have they hired her the bodyguard, or has she had to pay for that? She, I think it's all her. I think it's all her. Oh, that's pretty bad. And I Mr. think they they should provide that for her at least. Congressman Micarelli has called it a lie. So he is speaking out against it, saying that there's nothing to it, that she's uh, paranoid, and she's just trying to start something with a colleague that disagreed with her. Yeah, but didn't it say there were other women who also corroborated the story? Yeah. 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 It, it, it did say that. It did say See, that. Something like that. I, they should rush that through the courts. That should be instantly like one of the highest priority things, because obviously... Until that's settled, she's still got to go to work, and he's still going to be there. Well, yeah, and normally in a case right. like this, there's still a restraining order that can be got. Like, you can you can attain a restraining order, and he can keep his job, but he can't be in the chambers when she's there. You you would imagine they would do something, but it doesn't seem like they're interested in doing that. Um, I mean, they're in the same row. They're only 10 seats apart. I know, that's crazy. If, let's just... I, I'm almost always going to take the woman's side in this situation. Yeah. It's just, it's the, it's the, it's the common sense thing to do. If somebody is claiming that they're being sexually abused, you don't say, well, you're probably not. You're just lying. You're going to say, that's fucked up. And that's, you know, we got to do something about that. And let's just assume for, for a moment that she is being abused or was. It doesn't seem like it's, ongoing it looks like it happened in the past but if she was abused by this guy and they're in the same row that's fucked up beyond belief you have to at least accommodate for that and this guy's not interested in resigning it seems like uh he's more than more than willing to come to work and sit in the same row yeah and i mean it's not the first case of that i mean on that side of the aisle it's happened a lot even when it's proven that the the man uh, sexually abuse somebody they still try to be in the same area with the same like even when it's like a somebody who worked for their campaign staff see i think if now, he is later I, found guilty i think that should add to whatever sentence they give him because that's that's basically witness tampering or intimidation or whatever you want to call it because up until the point he's going to court he's still doing his thing yeah i well, agree i have a, i have a i have a quote from her that is going to change a little bit uh, it might change something here. So she said, I said, I don't want to speak out. Domestic violence is not my issue. I have my set of issues. And they include child welfare and property tax relief. That's a quote from her, according to the New York Times. Property tax relief. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. What is she talking but, about? But she said domestic violence is not my issue. It's everybody's issue. That. To me, that sounds a little weird. If domestic violence isn't your issue, but you were abused sexually, something doesn't seem right there. I don't know. What do you guys think of that? I don't know. I think she's just saying that's not one of her political points that she was main... You know, but, that's not what she got into politics for, I think is what she means by that. But well, wouldn't it, it become your yeah, issue? But, but, but Tom, now, personally yeah. but Tom, Tom, which, which party is yeah, she running yeah. for? Which party does she belong to? I believe to? she... I believe she's a Republican. All right. So I if do you, believe she's a Republican. If you want to win another election and you, you know, cry, I'm being sexually harassed, are you going to win in the Republican Party? <sighs> Probably yeah. not. So there you go. <laughs> Probably not. She is running as a Republican. She is a Republican. 
She's just trying to keep her job. That's what she's doing. Well, I find it more credible that they're in the same party. Because that makes it even less likely that she'd actually speak up and say something if it wasn't the case. That's true. Yeah, because why? She's not going to win her any friends, is it? Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's it. Regardless of what the uh, facts are, very fucked up situation. Yeah. And I hope that uh, I hope something gets taken care of. But it's Pennsylvania, and it will not happen. That's for sure. Mm. Okay, <laughs> thank you, thank you, Dan. Thank you uh, for having me. It's actually... been fun, and yeah, it's kind of scared me off alcohol for life. <laughs> <laughs> Not me. I'm going to be drinking as soon as we leave. Uh, but go ahead and actually plug your show, though, for real. I just did. Two skeptical chaps. They'll find it. Yeah. Tell us where else you can find us. You didn't tell us your main fucking site to download your oh show. My God. Tell us. I don't know. It's on Stitcher. It's, uh, that's all I use. Isn't the one that you download to Lipsin? Look. I'll well, you, put yeah, it- we use Lipsin. That just proliferates out into the world, doesn't it? Yeah. I'll put, I don't I'll know. put it all in the show notes. It. Relax. I didn't even know people listened to it. I just <laughs> thought we were having a chat. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Thank you, Dan, hmm. from the two skeptical chaps. Uh, available everywhere um, for 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 download. Um, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you for putting up with me. No, Austin. Austin's actually very tolerable. I am not. I am so sorry. It's been a long day. It's been a very long day. All right, let's uh, let's take a, a brief moment to gather ourselves, and when we come back, Austin has the Bigly report. I for do. Us. Bigly topic for us. <laughs> Austin Austin has the Bigly topic for us. Take three. <laughs> take three. <laughs> Welcome back to the Dowcast. <sighs> yes, it's catching on. It's catching no, on. It's not. Um, <laughs> it is time for the weekly main story of Dumb All Over. All right, Austin, what is this week's bigly topic? Our bigly topic this week is worker co-ops. And no... No, that's okay. not the thing where you play Call of Duty all night with one of your coworkers. Even if Brian from HR promised it would only be for an hour or two, and that he wouldn't hold any of the horrible things you inevitably said about him against you in your next evaluation. <laughs> Fuck you, Brian. <laughs> all right. Ooh, who's this Brian? And what the so he do according to, you? to communitywealth.com or .org rather, worker-owned cooperatives are business enterprises that are owned and governed by their employees. Um, All worker cooperatives have two common characteristics. The first is that member owners invest in and own the business together, and they share the enterprise's profits. And number two, uh, decision-making is democratic, with each member having one vote. So uh, worker co-ops are not a terribly new idea. Actually, they're not a new idea at all. (laughs) But um, it is an idea that's gaining traction in this country, and especially in Europe. Uh, Leeds University Business School uh, researched labor-managed firms in Western Europe, the United States, and Latin America, and they found that aside from the holistic social benefits of worker autonomy, giving workers a direct stake in managing production enables a business to operate more efficiently and more effectively. Okay, that makes sense. Um, So what what they concluded was that worker cooperatives are more productive than conventional businesses with staff working better and smarter and production organized more efficiently. So that's what yeah, that's what okay. the uh, Leeds University Business School found. 
I was just wondering, uh, why is it that everything that seems socially progressive has to start or become popular in Europe? Like, why can't it ever start or become popular here first? Are we ever going to claim something like this, or is it always going to Well, I mean, to be fair, they have a lot more time to have made all our mistakes. Ah, that is true. Yeah. That is true. Uh, Michelle Chen of The Nation writes, quote, Under worker-run management structures, co-ops might avoid the usual friction between bosses giving orders from above and staff misunderstanding or disputing decisions or resisting unfair work burdens from below. Sounds kinky. Um, <laughs> fusing the workforce and management streamlines operations and saves energy, otherwise sunk into training and monitoring the workforce. And you know how much of a pain in the ass that stuff is. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, uh, not all co-ops are actually small businesses. Uh, in France, entire warehouses are run by a co-op. Uh, Chen writes from the same article, by prioritizing worker autonomy, co-ops provide more sustainable long-term employment, uh, not only because uh, worker owners seek to protect their own livelihoods, also if they run into economic distress, the co-ops are generally more adept at preserving jobs while planning longer-term adjustments to the firm's operations, such as slowing down expansion to maintain current assets, whereas a traditional corporation would pay less attention to strategic planning and simply fire people to tighten budgets. Right, yeah. So that's a huge difference. <laughs> it, we, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, before you go yeah. on, so pretty much it's like the workers own the business or they just run the business? They own and run the business. It's both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, go on. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, there are far fewer co-ops in the United States than uh, in the established French and Spanish co-op sectors. With only an estimated 300 to 400 U.S. worker cooperatives employing around 7,000 people, and generating over $400 million in annual revenue, according to the United States Federation of Worker Cooperatives, or USIFC. But in an increasingly precarious economy, advocates push worker ownership as a pathway to restore equity and control to labor. Co-ops can boost career mobility and seed homegrown job opportunities, while communities themselves benefit from an ownership structure that keeps capital reinvested locally and not exploited or outsourced to faceless corporate chains. So basically, the, you know, if you have a worker co-op, the community benefits because people tend to keep it where it is. Okay, yeah, that makes sense because you're working for your business. If you stop working for your business... You're not going to have a business. Yeah, and and you'd have to get the approval of everybody who works there to be able to sell it or expand. Right. And not everybody's okay. going to want to do that. They're going to want to keep it local most of the time. Right. Because that's the whole that point. Makes sense. <laughs> um, but one industry is increasingly turning to the co-op model, craft beer. Ooh, yeah. okay. So one of the most famous examples of this is the Black Star Brewery in Austin, Texas, which is weird since I own that whole city and I don't remember approving a co-op. <laughs> Um, Black Star was the first brewery in the country to be run as a co-op It started in 2010 and is still going to this day Uh, The employees at Black Star make a living wage, so tipping is not standard there And the community in Austin has been incredibly supportive of Black Star Um, In January 2017, Black Star faced a big decline in sales uh, In what was usually a strong month for them So January was usually good for them, but not this past, what, uh, two Januarys ago um, okay. They feared that if sales continued the way they were, they might have to close. Now, in normal business, the people running the business would often try to hide the fact that they're struggling and sometimes even lie in order to maintain the business uh, status. And a lot of times they would just fire people 
until they trimmed down enough to keep the business going. But Blackstar being a co-op, they couldn't do that. So what they did is they went on a press tour and told the community about their sales issue and asked that the community help by coming to buy beer and visiting the restaurant, buying food, having them cater. Um, And it worked. Their sales skyrocketed, and they were able to keep going just as they were. No one was laid off. No one had to take a pay cut. And the community rallied around them. Wow. That's pretty impressive. So in New York City, my new home, um, the city council and Mayor de Blasio have created the Worker Cooperative Business Development Initiative, or WCADBD. And... uh, (laughs) (laughs) Wait, wait. What was that? It's (laughs) WCADBD. Did you just have an aneurysm? <laughs> uh, maybe. <laughs> Seeing as I've had to okay. do this twice now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember this part. Yeah. <laughs> the first time. All right, go on. Um, and they've put aside $3 million to help facilitate the creation of co-ops and to help existing businesses transition into co-ops here in the city. And that's an increase from the $1.2 million the program had when it started in 2015. So it was so successful, they more than doubled the budget. They almost tripled it. Wow. That's very impressive. Now, worker co-ops, they're not a utopia. They're not perfect. Sometimes personalities clash, and sometimes too many people want too many different things, and the company struggles to move forward. But in my opinion, it is a much better alternative to the traditional top-down corporations where power is centralized to one or just a few people, and workers are treated as disposable machines. Uh, workers at co-ops report to be happier and feel more invested in their work. They're often compensated much better for their labor, and they have a vested interest in making the co-op succeed. And communities also become more invested in co-ops because they're likely to keep their businesses local, like we were talking about before. Yeah. Um, so now that you know all that, go and find your nearest worker co-op and show your support. Or don't. I'm not your mother. <laughs> well, that was very interesting. Um I'm I'm very curious as to uh, I'm, I want to know a little bit more about this. Okay. Um, but so what happens in the case that I don't know if you even know the answer. If you I don't, might. I apologize yeah. for putting you on the spot. But if the business does fail, is there a, a major repercussion for those who are invested in the business, or like do they all go bankrupt or something like that? No, because you wouldn't need to invest that much. Like you own a little piece of it, and when it goes away. Basically, it's just like losing your job. That's all. Do you think that the uh, red tape might end up being too much of a problem internally? So if you have a company that has 50 mines, it's going to be very difficult to get things passed. Do you think that could be a problem where maybe some businesses out there will they just can't agree on one thing? Um, that could be a problem, but it's really not a problem that companies don't already face with you know, big boards of directors or having right. to listen to the shareholders, which a lot of giant corporations do. That's true. That's um, true. And according to the studies, I mean, they, the way they run it is a lot more streamlined. So they seem to be able to avoid those issues more deftly than a giant company can. Well, you know what? It sounds like it's a, it's a good plan for people who maybe are not going the route of being a CEO of a major company. Yeah. That way you kind of are a CEO if you are in a worker co-op, um, it seems really interesting. I'd, I'd like to see if there's any lo- businesses like that around here, where, around where I live. I don't, I doubt it, but I have to do some research. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know about that. 
But hopefully it starts spreading. It sounds like a pretty cool idea, yeah. something that could um, benefit especially small businesses. I could see this being very beneficial to small businesses. Mm-hmm. So very cool. Yeah. Well, thank you, Austin. Yep. That's a very interesting topic. I don't know where you find these topics. It's actually <laughs> like you got to go, you got to dig through Google for that one, I think. But good job. <laughs> um. Okay, well let's take a let's take a break. Uh, we'll end all of the politics and all of that, and then we have an interview with uh, Kent Spade, who wrote a book that might involve politics and racial injustice and the KKK and the police force. So, you know that thing I said about no politics? Yeah, I'd like. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Joining us now is an author. Uh, his book is called Red, White, Blue, and Colors. His name is Kent Spade. He's also a fellow Pennsylvanian. How are you, Kent? Good. Uh, it's a beautiful day today. How are you guys doing? Not too bad at oh, all. Pretty Not good. Not too bad. Um, so, as I said, you are an author of a book called Red, White, Blue, and Colors. Um why don't you tell us a little bit about you first and then give us a generalization of your book? Well, so I am currently still in college. I'm a college student. I major in public policy and Hispanic studies, and um, I'm in my sophomore year. However, I've always been um, keen on creating literary uh, products, um, personal reflections on the society that we live in. Uh, I... Well, this book is basically about a um, a female detective from the South, Detective uh, Selena Tubman. She uh, she's taking a break from her stressful p- professional life mm-hmm. with dozens of unsolved murders that are uh, apparent lynchings, but they are ruled by the department as suicides. So you know, there's a lot of bureau- bureaucratic red tape there, and then she's thought she found lasting happiness in the arms of her new lover carter but she had no idea that carter was a drug dealer and that he will actually provide her with the clues of the murders and the lynchings in her town um through his death and it will point all the way back to her own colleagues so that's basically the overwheel uh, overview of the book wow that's uh that's that's a pretty deep subject matter yeah. um what ins- what inspired you was there a specific event because i mean obviously if you follow the news you know that there's a lot of this shit going on in the world as you know currently but was there one single event that inspired you to write this book or is it a collection of all those or was it something completely different um there are there had Obviously, there have been a lot of things happening in this country. Obviously, the Dylan Roof shooting that was uh, that was that happened, I think, three years ago in South Carolina in in Charleston, where a uh, a person opened fire in a church, uh, killing nine people, and there are still like mysterious uh, suicides that are ruled as suicides, even though they're not they're apparent. Uh, well homicides i if i may uh again like so i sort of you know mash these things that we've heard from the news together and then uh 
tied up some loose ends and made up some of the uh, the characters based on like uh, the people I know in real life, and um, and I mashed them all together, and definitely like has a lot of theme in terms in terms of our societal problems, the social issues that we uh, that well, not all of us, that some of us deal with every day as Americans. There's, it's very different from what what it is and what it seems. And sometimes what it seems might only be an official uh, statement of the story and because some people don't want to give up the entire truth. And so basically this book is also a thought experiment to like challenge people to think for themselves, not just listen to what the media tells them or what the uh, uh, officials tell them, rather to like investigate, do their own research and come up with their own um, con- conclusions. Also, like there's just tons of possibilities. Uh, you know, that's basically the theme of the book. Okay. All right. Um, have you always been involved with uh, some sort of activism? Because whether you see it like this or not, writing a book like this is definitely activism. So have you always been involved? I would... I wouldn't use the term activism. I would like to just say that um, I am aware of uh, certain things that happen in the, you know, in our society. Not not just not just in our country. Obviously, like all over sure. the world. Sure, you sure. can say like in sure. South America, Mexico, uh, Canada, even in Europe, even in some of the um, Caribbean countries uh, and uh, Africa. There's a lot of social problems that go on that we somehow turn a blind eye on we i feel like these kind of things we can we can pass them by as oh it doesn't matter to me it sucks but it doesn't matter to me however it can and it might well affect every one of us and that's the point i'm getting into i don't want to use the term activism i what i want to do is not to tell what readers uh tell readers what to think no, that's not what I'm trying to do. Okay. I'm trying okay. to present the readers a opportunity, a, an opportunity to to challenge them into thinking deeper into these news articles, these uh, events that happen, these statements from different people that uh, about the same uh, same thing that occurred. So I I would um, I basically I want people to think for themselves. Okay. Well, right. obviously, with a little drama, with a little story behind it, I I, I want to keep it interesting, you know. Well, of course. I mean, you have to add drama. I mean, that's uh, isn't that every politician's plan? But hopefully, you know, you do it uh, much better than a lot of these <laughs> politicians just by starting random bullshit. So let me let let me ask you this: um, without spoiling the ending of your book, um, is there? a solution to the, the the problem in the book and do you see uh, a, a solution to ending racial injustice and ending police brutality and all of that i would like to say that um um well racial injustice uh what what have you uh and police brutality or abusing uh, abuse of power is an ubiquitous thing throughout all nations in the world, throughout history, from the Babylonians till uh, whenever the world is going to end. It's always going to happen. It's always going to happen in every parts of the world, every corner of any given island. You can name 
you can actually name. So what I'm trying to do is to, well, absolutely. So I think this problem is always going to be here. However, it will be different if everyone is aware of what they're, um, if, of what's happening around them. When everyone is aware and care about the problems that happen, uh, uh, you know, um, around us, like the abuse of power, whether it's from uh, mm-hmm. law enforcement or from lawmakers or even from ourselves, absolutely from ourselves. If, we, if we're aware of those problems or those tendencies of problems, then maybe we can think twice about it. Maybe we can watch each other or remind each other to stay, um, to be righteous. You know, what's right is right. You know, like what's wrong is wrong. Of course. So when did your book come out? Uh, so that's actually a really funny story. Um, I wrote this book uh, in December 2016, okay. I intended it to be a, a screenplay, sort of, because like I envisioned this. Uh, so I basically I had these images, these uh, uh, movements happening in my brain. So I put them down in paper the best I could. So I intended that to be um, made made into a movie. And uh, that was the end of 2016, the end of first semester of my freshman year in college, and and then it actually I didn't even think about publishing it until the summer of 2017. And then I contacted uh, some of the uh, literary agents and agencies. And then, and then we got to figure it out. Um, so, so we just published this book in January this year, 2018. So I would say like more than a year later, which is, uh, I think it's definitely a funny story. You know, I've learned a lot through the process and, um, uh, we're actually getting a trailer together, um, which is going to be very exciting. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Uh, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not writing this book with the intention of calling out specific government, uh, specific cops or agencies. No, I, I'm. What I'm trying to do is to give this awareness to every one of us. Well, whoever you are, whatever color or whatever job you might work, uh, I just think that this is this problem is not just in America; it's ubiquitous. We some we, we sometimes we uh, we carry this um, um, bias that can be very harmful to other people when we are in positions of power. I'm not just calling out the officials; I'm calling out that that evil side of us in every single one of us. That's what I'm trying to do. When we are, sometimes we're in situations where where we are in the positions of power, are we ourselves going to do the right thing or the wrong thing? That's what I'm trying to do. So when it comes to a book or anything that is this, and I I use the word touchy just because I I know how people react to certain things, um, I'm curious how has the book been received amongst friends, family, or just random strangers? Have you gotten some sort of um, positive feedback or more negative feedback? What's that been like? Well, um, everyone thought it was the plot was very interesting. Everyone just couldn't put the book down. With the okay. end, with some okay. of the themes, however, that's when people are um, pretty much arguing over each other, yelling over each other. Right. Um, say that so some people like 
the undertones of um, the undertones of showing the uh, some of the supposedly we could say the problems, the ills of our society. Some people like that, and the symbolism, absolutely. Um, however, some people think you know this probably doesn't happen in the real world, and think I was too biased, uh, too cynical, uh, too much of a cynic. Mm-hmm. However. Um, Again, like this doesn't happen in real life. I and also I really hope it doesn't, because like fingers crossed, th- like that kind of, that type of violence, I really just don't want to want don't want it to happen anywhere in the world. Of course, because communities actually suffer, and these are like not just. Well, again, like with books and movies and drama and any story, like these kind of like violence, sort of out of touch to a. Uh, to, to this confrontation, to the climax of the plot. In real life, however, we're talking about real people with families, with friends, with loved ones. You know, So this is absolutely just, I don't want it happening in real life. However, it also reflects what has been happening, and I'm not just saying in America, in the world for so many, so many years. And what I'm trying to do is to present this type of feeling that you can resonate with what if that was your friend who was involved in this? What if your uh, friend who happens to be a, a person of color uh, became a victim of such uh, types of violence? Again, like I'm not trying to like call out any specific government or like agency. Sure. I, this is just a thought experiment for everybody to you know challenge themselves. Well, it sounds absolutely amazing. It sounds like a really good premise. Um, pretty excited to uh, get a copy for myself and uh, read through it. Are there any other works uh, in the making? Or are you going to settle down with this one for a little while and then maybe focus on a new subject? And if you do, what uh, what subjects? What other subjects interest you? Well, absolutely. So um, right now I'm actually currently working on a... Um on a novel, this one is um, going to be very much longer. It's about okay. um, six college freshmen in a an elite institution um, going through their freshman year. Um, they experience different things, emotions, and um, that happen to them, and or you know about their daily struggles and lives and about how they're much more than just the skins they put on skins being um they're the sports they play uh, the sports they play the fraternities they're in their what their parents do or um what their appearances are like so that's the the point i'm trying to make with this new book is that we're all the same person underneath different skins okay with six uh, different college freshmen in completely like different walks of life, how like how you know also like with the society, so, the social pressure, peer pressure, what have you, in this in the elite co- uh, co- collegial um, institutions that I am happily to be a part of. Okay, well that sounds like another interesting topic. I'm. Mm-hmm. Uh, curious to see where that goes tell us um where we can find your book and plug any kind of social media or anything that'll help you out absolutely so the book red white blue and colors is available on amazon right now uh and my twitter instagram are uh, the the handles are the same they are 
Kent Spade Speaks. Uh, Kent K E N T Spade S P A D E Speaks, and all lowercase. Uh, all the handles are the same. You know, uh, follow me, follow us. Uh, you know, and uh, we will keep you posted on my new works and um, the uh, new things I that I have to come out. Oh, sounds great. Um, congratulations. I know I have a couple friends who are authors and they've put out a couple books and some are trying to put out novels and books. And I know the, the process can be pretty brutal. Um, so, con- so congrats on releasing the book. Um, hopefully much success. You sound like a very, very intelligent uh, intelligent person with a, a good heart. And I think that's uh, very important, especially in today's world. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you very much for that. Yeah. Uh, and I do look forward to reading the book, and I will be doing so very soon. Uh, so, and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Austin. Thank you so much for having me on your channel. And um, again, have a great day. And it's uh, beautiful. And it's definitely a beautiful day to read. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a, we'll take a quick break, uh, and then when we come back, uh, Austin and I will uh, close up the show. Sounds Thanks again, time. Ken. All right, thank you. And that's it. That is the show. Uh, Yep, that's that is definitely the show. All all in one take. There was uh no multiple day recordings. No, not this nope, time. Nope, nope. Um so, Austin, it is time to end this big dumb show. Oh good. I was afraid you were gonna say it's time to do the bigly report again. <laughs> no, you know what time it is? <laughs> no, it's not Twitter time, so come on, let's <laughs> All right, fine. Uh yeah, we don't we don't have enough time for Twitter time this time. No, we do not. Um Austin, what are your final thoughts? Oh, well, I would like to thank Kent for coming on, being the guest, Woo-hoo! and giving a really good interview. His book sounds really interesting. And, yeah. Um, well, I'd be interested if he makes an audio book. We should get in on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, yes, me and my pronunciation of words is definitely meant for an audio book. <laughs> I'd love to. See, I, oh, I'd I love can, to hear I you can, read an audiobook. I can only imagine. <laughs> but anyway, well, yeah, his book sounds really good, yeah. and I'm no, looking does. forward it to does. reading it. Um, let's see. We had some big Trump news, but we did that already, so I don't need to recap what it was. <sighs> yeah, we did. Um, um, yeah. Let's just hope Iran takes pity on all of us. <laughs> no. Uh, I think that's it. I got. I got. Oh, of course. Thanks, Dan, for coming on. Of course, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. Yep, uh, thanks for both of the boys at the Two Skeptical Chaps. You know, we were on their show, yep. so make sure you uh, check them out. You can go on Twitter and find them as well anywhere. I think their main site is uh, Lipson. Yeah. Uh, but find their episode there. We'll retweet it, and if you want to hear us on another show. It was actually quite fun. We had yes. a lot a lot of laughs in that episode. Um so thank you for that. Thank you, Ken, and, for coming and, on. And uh, apparently they're inverse. We have inverse episode numbers. Like, yeah, which is strange. Yeah, theirs was 68, or theirs is 86. 86, ours is 68. And ours is 68. <laughs> yep. And next week is the big episode. Yeah, I want to win the good one. 
<laughs> Episode 69. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you, Kent, for coming on. Very, he sounds like a very, very smart kid. Um, you know, if you have the courage to write a book, that's one thing. But to have courage to write a book and then have a book that's that sensitive to a lot of people, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Uh, I haven't read the book yet, but I will be buying a copy because that's just a, it's a cool thing. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, what else? I'm trying just to just want to remind else. everybody: the last book that Tom read was about a gay bunny. So <laughs> this would be a step up for you. <laughs> you're not. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. That is the last book wrong. that I read in full. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, also uh, because by the time we record next week's episode, it's going to be so old news. Something happened today. Because if you didn't pay attention, we did not record this episode all in one day. So we we had to <laughs> skip a day because somebody had to sober up. That was me. <laughs> um, but the three uh, uh, American hostages that were being ca- uh, held in North Korea for the longest time uh, were released today, and they were brought back to the United States. Um, you know, whether or not Trump has anything to do with this, I don't know. I don't care. I'm just happy that they're home. And I know people are instant to make that into a political topic and say, oh, this is all Trump or, oh, no, this is China or or, this is South Korea. I don't care. The three Americans are home and uh, hopefully safe and not scarred for the rest of their lives. Agreed. Yeah. So I just wanted to at least cover that. Mm -hmm. Um, We have quite the couple of weeks coming up. So uh, please make sure that you uh, listen to our show coming up. We have a a couple special guests, possibly some big announcements to make. It's going to be a pretty exciting next few months, I think, Austin. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so. I think so. Um, so, you know, if you want, you can uh, check us out on blogtalkradio.com. Uh, look for Dumble Over Podcast. We're also on iTunes at Dumble Over Pod. You can, uh, if you're already listening to the show, leave us a uh, five-star review, please, and uh, a comment. You can plug your podcast or do whatever you want. doesn't matter. We will read them on the show. Uh, we're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook, all at Dumble Over Pod. And if you want to support the show, you can become patrons at patreon.com forward slash Dumble Over Pod. Uh, there you get the full episode, no commercials, better audio quality, our side shows, uh, maybe <laughs> lots of extras, lots of extras. If you're not a patron, you want to become one now because <laughs> there's a whole nother episode probably worth of material that's going to be going up on Patreon. Yeah, I might even have to call it like episode 68 and a half. Might. Seriously, yeah. there's that much if we're going to keep it to a real show length. But uh, yeah. Check us out there. All you got to do is uh, donate or sponsor us for $1, and you get all of that and more. And then there's more options, too, if you wanted to get something better. Yeah, if you want to go crazy with it. Yeah, and get some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, that's it. We're going to keep this one pretty brief because of the length of the episode. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's all I got, Austin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that baby's name was Peter Dow. <laughs> 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 such a good such a good opening monologue yeah. so good all right austin uh until next week uh you know this has been this has been fun yep and then we have Thanks. episode 69 69 yeah yep and oh and we'll be in the same room for that one. <laughs> oh, you're coming home yeah thanks for telling me uh <laughs> <laughs> hey all right so um 
Tune in next week for a whole new uh, episode of a lot of dumb shit. And uh, hopefully we're still a country by then. Yep. All right. Uh, That's okay. Bye. When it comes to keeping your small business valuable information safe, Dell Small Business Technology Advisors can recommend tailored security solutions like computers with Intel Core processors, servers, storage, networking, plus industry-leading monitors and software. Running your own small business is a big challenge, but with the right partner, it's a lot easier. To speak with an advisor today, call 0800-085-4878. That's 0800-085-4878.